Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Marissa Charles and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Marissa Charles. Well, hello and welcome to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, your host, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles. Dr. Charles is board certified in family practice and spends a lot of her time seeing predominantly Medicare-eligible seniors. And a lot of the issues that we talk about on WellMed Radio impact seniors, their families, and their loved ones. And it's a pleasure, Dr. Charles, to see you again. We're seeing each other via Zoom, although we're on the radio. Hi, Ron. It's nice to see you, too. And I trust you had a decent weekend? Not too bad. I had a shift on Sunday, so I worked a little bit this weekend, but not bad. Now, the topic we're going to be taking up in just a couple of moments is a topic of mindfulness. And I know that in the high-stress world in which you work, especially with all the impact of COVID-19, you need to find a way to relieve the stress. That's never been more true, Ron. How do you do it? So, of course, you know, a lot of different things that you can do. We've talked so much about deep breathing exercises, you know, our 478 breathing and mindfulness is an excellent way to deal with stress. And I think that's what we're going to talk about today. Well, let's bring in our very special guest, Dr. Jamie Heisman, who is the Chief Compassion Officer for WellMed Medical Management. Uh, Dr. Heisman uh, is a licensed clinical social worker, has a doctorate degree in psychology, And in his work, he is a fierce advocate for family caregivers, their rights and well-being. And he currently leads efforts to facilitate breath work and relaxation techniques for well-met employees and clinicians and firmly believes there is no health without mental health. And truer words were never spoken. Dr. Heisman, Jamie, as you are affectionately known, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's great to be here, Ron. Anytime I can get with you and Dr. Charles in this wonderful program, I'm, I'm gratified. Now, Jamie also uh, uh, co-hosts a program that we do uh, called Take 10, in which we bat around along with uh, Carol Zerniel, a uh, couple of issues of the day. Uh, that's a 10-minute show that is available as a podcast, and all you have to do is Google Take 10, and you ought to find the podcast that way. But let's focus on the topic that we had selected for today, Jamie. Uh, First of all, uh, for those who've heard the term but don't know what it is, give us the 411 on mindfulness. Well, mindfulness over the years has had many different sort of interpretations and forms. It actually began in the world of, uh, of India, if you will, through Buddhism, of course, and got very much misconstrued as some sort of a religious practice of Buddhism. Um, and later on, of course, we, we've more or less brought into the medical world through Dr. John Kabat-Zinn and made it more, you know, uh, more mainstream. But mindfulness is, is basically, I call it, it's like your mental muscle that allows you kind of to downshift from from your mind, which is so cluttered and so into problem solving. And, and, and it just allows us to observe rather than get caught up in our, our craziness and of our monkey mind, as is called, and become aware of the present moment to become more proactive than reactive. Which means... Which means, you know, we're caught into yesterday, which is really the fear of before, or we're caught into anxiety, which is, again, the fear of tomorrow. And so what mindfulness allows us to do is literally concentrate on the present, 
that we're given by whomever you think we're given it by, but that we need to be grateful for, that having one foot in tomorrow and one foot in yesterday makes you forget about today. And mindfulness is about bringing it all home to today, to this moment. I think I'd mentioned to you, uh, and I don't know if uh, you happen to be aware of this, uh, Dr. Charles, but recently watching CNN, uh, they had a, a mother on whose uh, son was killed in that shooting at that elementary school in Connecticut. And during the interview, she said they were talking about how she deals with active shooter stories that are in the news now all too often. So and, often. and she said, well, the, the way I am able to deal with it is I practice mindfulness, which was interesting to hear uh, because it came out of nowhere. It wasn't what I would have expected. And yet mindfulness is becoming uh, much more uh, widespread than it has been. Uh, and I guess the tragedies that have taken place have led some people to find that uh, kind of solution uh, to the stress they feel. Excellent opportunity to to take a moment to turn inward because, you know, for example, even here, daily life, you know, you're about to walk into an exam room, you know, for example, the patient, sometimes you have an emotional reaction before you even walk in there. And it may have to do with experiences that you've had, you know, throughout your career, throughout your training, and it changes the way that that interaction goes with that particular patient. So sometimes even, you know, it's a few seconds that you take before you walk into an exam room to take a deep breath, to, you know, understand the way that your body is reacting and why, you know, sometimes that anxiety is not coming from the situation that's occurring presently, but because you're reacting to other experiences you've had in your, in your life. Um, and so taking that moment to, to refocus and think about the, what you have to do in that moment, what you have to get done during a, a visit, for example, or, or any experience. And that's where that mindfulness really kicks in and helps out. We're going to jump to Dr. Heisman, but first, I want to remind folks who may have just joined us, you're listening to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles. Jamie Heisman is with us. He is a, has a doctorate in psychology, a licensed clinical social worker, and chief compassion officer for WellMed. So, Dr. Jamie, uh, for folks who are saying, okay, this sounds pretty good, how do I do it? What, what's involved in, in practicing mindfulness? Do I have to go to India and meet with a guru? No, you don't, nor do you have to sit on a cushion and become the Buddha. Um, in fact, when I was just going to mention, and I'm so glad that we have a physician like Dr. Charles co-hosting this show because she took it to the right place and to the right answer for you, Ron. See, what Dr. Charles mentioned is I work with physicians, okay, is that mindfulness for her is allowing the drama and trauma of the last patient, if you will, to be left behind, to gather your thoughts, to begin in the moment, to do the proper breath work, and then move on to the next drama and next trauma. So mm -hmm. basically, and what we are fat the factors as these adverse childhood experiences we have within us percolate and they bring up these issues of stress and anxiety. And what Dr. Charles so incredibly brought up as a physician, which allows for less medical errors, of course, allows for us to be much more connected 
to our patients who they now feel a family of choice and feel safer with us is that she has practiced the breath work, the breath work of 478, which I think Dr. Charles mentioned before, which Dr. Weil had evidence-based uh, tested, is a powerful trauma reduction technique. It literally takes no more than a minute and a half. It's doing four, seven, eight, four times by breathing in through your nostrils and keeping it in seven seconds in your mind, but exhaling like loudly, like, because literally it's autonomically affecting the vagus nerve response. Whereas that breath work that Dr. Charles described is literally the intervention for fight, flight, or fear, which we feel so often in the course of a day. But as Dr. Charles says, nobody I think feels it more than physicians as they go on from one patient to the next. So now, just real the... quick, so so that's a, you breathe in through your nose for four, a count of four, hold it for a count of seven, and then you breathe out forcefully for a count of eight. That's that four, seven, eight breathing, which anybody can practice at any time. Dr. Charles, it was fabulous because Dr. Weil, for our listening audience, developed it first for sleep, for sleep issues. And so if you actually do that exact thing that you just described in the manner you do it prior to sleep, it'll also help you get to sleep. Nice. Now, Dr. Weil uh, is someone who, as you said, uh, created this uh, breath approach, 478. How widely is it being used now? I'm going to let Dr. Charles talk about it for the medical world, but I began 28 years ago working with policemen, firemen, emergency medical technicians, people running into burning homes when others are running out, metaphorically. I see healthcare in that same vein, but Dr. Weil, who I had the fortune of working with years ago in the addiction world, is an integrative medicine physician at the University of Arizona, wants us to use it for common day stresses and anxiety. Because literally that trauma reduction technique, for instance, the breath work of foursome, allows us to refocus our attention away from unhelpful thoughts and circumstances, which is at the heart of any approach. So whether you're COVID driven or whether you're working with your kids or your, your spouse or your partner or your patients, if you wanna feel better, you need to learn how to change your thinking and mindfulness is the most efficient way, I think, to do that. Now, I know WellMed has had a push here recently to, to educate patients and our seniors more about that force of innate breathing and taking that moment. There was a little campaign where we did some, some videos and several of the physicians, including myself, had participated in making these videos, both in English and Spanish, um, to have available for our patients in the exam, in the waiting rooms, um, to teach that particular technique, especially right now during the time of COVID, because people's stress level has been, you know, much higher than it had been, you know, in years past, just because of the situation that we've been dealing with. Then you add, you know, ridiculous winter storms here in Texas, and you add, um, you know, so much death and so much trauma that people have endured during this year because of COVID. It's, it's, you know, something that we can use to try to reduce those symptoms that we're just going to have to deal with for the next several years as we're recovering. I think we're at a point where everybody knows somebody who's died of COVID-19, and everybody knows somebody who's been sick with it. In fact, that in itself causes a, a tremendous amount of stress. We're going to drop out for just a minute here, Dr. Jamie. Hang on. Don't go anywhere. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles. You're listening to WellMed Radio. 
You may be experiencing anxiety or stress regarding all the news about COVID-19 or what is commonly referred to as coronavirus. You are not alone. Optum is opening its emotional support helpline, providing access to specially trained mental health specialists. This is a toll-free number and it will be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week for as long as necessary. This is a free service. Anyone in need of emotional support is welcome to call. The number is 866-342-6892. That's 866-342-6892. One more time, 866-342-6892. Well, you're with us here on WellMed Radio, and we're so delighted to have you with us. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles. We're talking with Dr. Jamie Heisman. Uh, he is a licensed clinical social worker, has a doctorate in psychology, chief compassion officer for WellMed. Now, I have to ask, Dr. Jamie, for folks who are listening, what does a chief compassion officer do? Well, you know, I'd love to return one day back to the show with you and Dr. Charles, but Chief Compassion Officer was a wonderful title that Dr. Rapier, actually, who's our founder at WellMed, gave me. I laughed because I said, you know, at my age, it's wonderful on my epitaph. I said, I'm not quite (laughs) sure how how people are going to be looking at it later on a return on investment. But I will say this, and I think we can, mindfulness really does not just transform how we work, but mindfulness allows us to bear witness and be in the presence of pain and suffering, which is a, a literally a compassionate move. So one day, hopefully we can do a presentation and talk about here on the radio, the difference between pity, between sympathy, between empathy, and between compassion. So I think Dr. Rapier, whose goal was to bring compassion and humanity back to uh, medical care, looked at this role, if nothing else, as how do we, and Dr. Charles is obviously extraordinarily skilled. I think all of us are chief compassion officers, but how do we bear witness? How do we sit in the pain and start where the patient is at rather than where we think they should be at? And that honors them. And that basically is compassion. So that's pretty good. Starting where the patient is versus where you think they should be. Absolutely. I was trained and I was a therapist and seeing patients as a Jungian therapist by my clinical supervisor and said, Jamie, if you start where you think they should be at, that's clinically arrogant. You'll get on a pedestal. They'll never come back. They'll never you know, feel that you heard them, that you were there, that you can walk alongside of them. So you have to become culturally competent. You have to be trauma informed. And then you have to start on the journey where they are at. And I think that's what we're looking at at WellMed more and more was how do we create these clinics to become families of choice, not just medical sort of centers of excellence. Marisa, does that ring a bell? It does. It does. No, that's it's. It's something that we've been working towards as well, you know, and I think that I, I've seen a lot of the support from from WellMed in helping us to to find that balance, you know, and that's where, you know, you struggle as a professional, you struggle, you know, in my case, as a mom, as a um, 
physician, as, you know, lead physician here at the clinic, you know, trying to balance everybody's needs. It's challenging at times, and you have to balance the needs of the staff versus the needs of the patients and making sure that people are seen in an appropriate amount of time so that they can voice all of their concerns, which is something that we've always been pushed to do, you know, here at WellMed, as opposed to having um, you know, like some clinical practices that I'm aware of where they'll see 30, 40 patients in a day. Um, we typically will see, you know, less than 15 in a day, um, sometimes less than that, because it gives us that opportunity to really focus on the patients and their needs. And, and you know, we end up doing a lot of counseling as well. We're not, you know, it's not the same kind of training that Dr. Heisman has, but it, you know, it's an opportunity to meet patients where they are. So Jamie, how can you possibly connect with patients if you're seeing 30 or 40 in a day, maybe you've got four minutes with a patient, what can you possibly find out? Well, I think we've come to find out that this fee-for-service world of, of America and, and separating the medical and the psychiatric and the dental in silos has not really worked. And it's not made us number one in outcomes in this world. In fact, it's made us in the 23rd or 24th. Though we're a center of excellence and do great research and people come to see us, I think when you see 30 patients a day, you really cannot create what we call safety. And that's what mindfulness is, literally. It's a mind-body technique, okay? where it's a polyvagal, again, back to the vagus nerve, where we can feel safe. So with 30, it's like a Macy's Christmas, you know, turnstile, you know, it's, it's, it's in and then it's out. And I used to work as an addiction counselor with our physicians in another company. And I would say, look, do you know, writing that opiate prescription may not be the best thing. You may be enabling an addiction here. And I remember the, the answer today from a, of a, a doctor who ran a clinic that had 30 patients a day. And you know what he said to me? I'll never forget it. He says, Dr. Jamie, it takes me five minutes to say yes, but it takes me 40 minutes to say no. Yeah. And so I said, so you're actually enabling an addiction, another disease, because you don't have the time to connect with this person. Where this person is at is what you're saying. And he says, unfortunately, that's the system we have. And I think that's what WellMed now is trying its best and doing an extraordinarily amazing job to, as Dr. Charles said, in terms of creating safety and creating, being able to have these difficult conversations and to be able to be that family of choice. You get the same kind of pressure from patients on antibiotics, do you not, Dr. Charles? <laughs> yes. Everybody and, thinks and they need a, them. Right. And it's a very similar situation where it's so much easier to just write the script, just give it to them. Um, but it's not always the right thing to do. So yes, those are sometimes difficult conversations, you know, that we have to that we have to go through all of the reasoning behind why we don't think that it's necessary, why it's better to wait. And, and there are situations, of course, where it is appropriate and then we write it, but definitely difficult conversations with antibiotics, with narcotics, with pain medication. Yes, those are all very difficult conversations that we have every day. So I just patients. want to mention that Dr. Charles said, and I'm going to let you take it, Ron, and run with this. But what she said, yes, definitely the medications, opiates or whatever pain medication, there's often psychopharmacologically or pharmacologically, it's right on target. This is a medical, psychological, and social phenomena. But I must say also that now we're learning, and Dr. Charles is probably right at the forefront, the vanguard, is that there's holistic ways to dealing with pain. And that's how mindfulness started 
coming into the medical world at the University of Massachusetts with John Kabat-Zinn, and he called it MBSR, Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction. And so we're looking at alternatives now with our patients and with our staff of how we can avoid emotional pain, physical pain, and by holistically involving the world of mindfulness and leaning into the pain instead of taking something to divert your attention. Well, one of the things I remember you talking about, Dr. Jamie, was trying to help primary care physicians and others in the medical community deal with burnout. They get to a point where uh, they simply can't take it anymore. They can't. And I, and Dr. Charles is probably has, she, she hit on it too, because disproportionately female physicians have a higher rate of mental health challenges and suicidal uh, rates because of the powerful role they take on society in facilitating the family and taking care of the kids and coming in and being a professional and, and having to do that. And I'm a compassion fatigue therapist and physicians really drove me into this. It's, it's also called vicarious traumatization, uh, which means I feel the trauma of my patient if I'm not taking care of myself, secondary traumatic stress. So I work with cops and firemen, as I mentioned, but myself, let's take me. I needed to get therapy. I needed to go to groups. I needed to go to codependency anonymous. I needed to be, you know, some prevent what, you know, this burnout, which is the attachment of self and soul before it got to a much more worse condition called compassion fatigue. And that is pandemic in our, our country with physicians, with healthcare professionals who are not actually taking care of themselves in the process. And if you take a look at uh, the end result of that burnout, you get good people leaving the profession. My PCP, for example, and I won't identify her, uh, just left because, and, and we had a little conversation. She said, look at me. I have a child. I have a husband. I don't get out of here till seven, eight o'clock at night, five nights a week. I worry about my patients all over the weekend and I just can't do this anymore. And so she quit. That's very sad to hear, but that's not an, that's a very common story, you know, and even here, even with not seeing 40 patients a day, that is what our schedule looks like a lot. So, and it's hard to, I, I know that there's a lot of room for focusing on helping even, you know, here in my clinic and all our physicians here and helping us cope better with the stress, especially this year of pandemic where, you know, we still had to work through regardless of um, the things that were happening and the, the stress of, you know, being exposed and not being able to stay home. That was hard. It was definitely been a hard year. So, our listeners, be kind to your physicians as well. <laughs> uh, well, I've talked to... Uh... Uh, many healthcare providers who uh, told me that at the height of this pandemic, and it's not gone yet, it's uh, not. They, they would get home and undress in their garage for oh, fear yeah. of carrying uh, COVID-19 into their house. I would love to let the listening audience hear if they take away any messages at all. The old, it's the prayer, but it, it really was not a prayer when it began. It was a saying by somebody. It was grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So the issues that Dr. Charles is speaking about, the COVID, the insane sort of medical terrain we're dealing with, Medicare, those things are things we can't control. But what mindfulness continues and breathwork tells us is we can control the response to this. We have ourselves and that 
response, but we have to have the wisdom to know the difference. We have to let go. God, you went through some incredible storms that were absolutely episodically traumatic there, but who would expected that? But the response to that was something powerful. And that's what we have to start looking at in terms of mindfulness uh, and, and breath work and gratitude and all these, what I call, you know, trauma reduction techniques or grounding techniques. We can deal with our response. Now, give us an example of how breath work actually works uh, for those who are listening and are uh, interested and, and curious about it, Dr. Jamie. What do you do if you're going to do breath work? Well, in the, in the interest of time, and this is a whole mind-body connection piece. Rather than talk Freud or Jung or Rogers and to a medical organization like ours, breathwork is really about your mind-body connection. It's your autonomic nervous system. It's, again, the mind and body, which unfortunately in our country we separated somewhere back, I don't know when, are totally connected. So the patients that Dr. Charles are seeing with pain or immunological issues or whatnot, you know, they are in a state of what we call dysregulation. They're not balanced. They don't feel comfortable. Okay, they don't feel safe. And so what this is about in, is literally the intervention of, of fight, flight, or freeze response. And that's how, since the beginning of time, human beings have reacted to predators, to pain, to whatever. And so by learning breath work, literally, it's a physiological response. The only thing we can control in our autonomic nervous system is our breath. And if we're able to control our breath or in meditation to watch our thoughts and literally become proactive by doing that with our breath, we then can intervene on that vagus nerve, which is the nerve which goes from the cortex of the brain neurologically through all of your healing organs and really do something which brings ourselves into balance to safety, to have two feet on the ground instead of one. So there's a definite physiological reason why we do this breath work. When you do the breath work, it does what for you? It, it intervenes. What Dr. Charles said and how she said it was when you exhale outward, okay, here's how the mind, body, and the parasympathetic nervous system and vagus nerve works. When you blow out like that, it literally will trigger the vagus nerve response, and it puts you more in that balanced place instead of that dysregulated place. Think about COVID, how we are on one leg, okay, or the, or the wizard or the, the, the blizzard that came to Texas. We're on one leg and basically the wind blowing us because we're in a fight, flight, or freeze response. So what that breath work will do, that literally will allow us four times. That's all we need to do for seven, eight, or if you want to do mindful meditations, it's very short as well. It, we trigger the vagus nerve response to feel more balanced. Literally, Dr. Charles' wonderful style with her patients, the way she connects with them is a vagus nerve response. And that's creating safety. And the more safe we are, even in relationships with loved ones, the more healthy relationships we have as opposed to toxic relationships we have allow us to feel balanced. Got to stop you right there. Thank you, Dr. Jamie. You did a fabulous job. Dr. Marisa Charles, our co-host, I'm Ron Aaron. We'll talk with you soon, right here on WellMed Radio. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.